Hello, 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 New Haven, and welcome back to another episode of Arts Respond on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven. Arts Respond is a collaboration with the Arts Council of Greater New Haven and the New Haven Independent and WNHH, all things to which you should subscribe and read and listen all for free, which is great. So I am your host, Lucy Gelman, and I am so excited to be here today for what is sort of an end of year, even though we're not at the end of the year yet, arts wrap up. Uh, Normally, this would be a little bit later, um, but as people may or may not know, I'm growing a human and humans arrive when they want to. And so I was like, I don't know if this little person is going to arrive at some point uh, before the show. So I am here with the fabulous Babs Rolls Ivy, the fa- really everyone on this call is fabulous the fabulous karen ponzio the fabulous brian slattery who is the arts editor for the new haven independent karen is the fearless uh and also like maternal but like cool mom is that fair um sure whatever yeah sounds, like sounds okay. whenever your articles go up i think of your byline as mama kp i hope that's okay well i um, am a mama so <laughs> You are a mama, I know. <laughs> um, and and of course, Babs is wears many, many hats, including editor of the Inner City News and host of Love Babs Love Talk, which you can catch every single morning. And if you've been sleeping on the show, don't sleep anymore. It's fun, especially Babs when you riff with Harry. But you always have the most wonderful guests on. So I'm glad to hop into this and and just like, let's talk about the arts this year. So Brian, I'm going to kick it to you first. I know that we've talked a little bit about the fact that like people are still coming back from COVID, right? Um, and this is something yes. that I have, I've seen in my reporting, um, not only, but I would say, especially in schools and how students are doing um, within the arts, but also like beyond the arts. So, so let's talk about that. Um, yeah, I was, I was looking at my like year end piece last year and that was, Pretty much like the the point I'd wanted to hammer home, mostly because of what it's what um, artists had told me, you know, for the entire time that you know we'd sort of been told that the pandemic was over and we should all just get back to business as usual, whatever the heck that meant. I've I still don't really understand what it was we were supposed to be getting back to, but the um, the you know, I I'd sort of been told like this is going to take a lot longer than we think. And I think that this year has sort of borne that out, um, that it it's sort of like the it's not that it like explains everything, but it's kind of like the underlying stressor, maybe, if you will, that like sort of like makes everything just a, a little bit more complicated. You know, like there's there's still just a sense of like fragility to the whole thing. And we've seen that in the way that, um, you know, that inst- like some institutions have closed. Some are struggling. Um, a lot of them are changing. And, you know, in some ways that's not, um, I, th- I think that we, the tendency is to sort of talk about that, like everything's on fire. Um, I'm not that person. I I think that we're just more like in a time of like real change. And some, you know, we're learning that our institutions are more fragile than we think they are. But also that like we can, we have, the what we need to build new ones um if we want to and some of the really interesting questions are about that you know like what um you know what kind of institutions do we want to be 
to be like making the gears of the arts worlds move in New Haven. Um, you know, what do we want them to look like? Who do we want to be in charge of them? Uh, you know, how how big do we want them to be? I mean, there's there's a million questions, and I think that they're all really interesting ones. And I I'm not worried that the art scene. I think that people will come up with the solutions that they need, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see what those really look like. Um, you know, when when all of that change is done, but I don't think it is done. Like I think that it's going to be a pretty long term uh, project, and uh, I find myself more thinking about like counseling people to be patient with that because I think it's just going to take longer than anybody wants it to. But you know, maybe maybe that's okay. You know, instead of worrying so much that everything's uh, you know going to implode at any minute. It's, it's, it's like, I don't, I don't see the point of being too worried about it. And I, you know, as opposed to just like, let's get to work and see what we come up with, you know? Yeah. So I want to stay on this thread and um, Karen Babs, please feel free to jump in. This was, I was going to save this for later in the discussion, but we're going there. Right. Um, so we have seen the closure and also the shift of multiple major arts institutions. Sure. And I would say legacy um, like pretty historic arts institutions in the city. And then at the same time, we've also seen some of them kind of experimenting with varying degrees of success, right? And so I'm curious, I would love all of you to to kind of say what you've seen that maybe has worked, maybe hasn't. Brian, I appreciate your, um, your this house is not on fire approach. I, I would say I... Um, tend to agree with it and also agree that like things will last longer than uh, a finite and small period of time um so but but we have seen you know so earlier this year i think it was in february that lisa dent left art space um pretty pretty abruptly um so resigned from art space and then we saw them in june move out of their 50 orange street space and they've been doing exhibitions in Creative Arts Workshop, which is at 80 Audubon Street. Um, we also saw a lot of board turnover that was promised, uh, but not delivered on or hasn't been delivered on yet at the Ely Center of Contemporary Art um, and meetings that were sort of for community healing and then stopped, <laughs> right? Um, so there was that. Um, I wanna shout out Ruby Gonzalez Hernandez who held something called the Artist State of the Union earlier this year in, I think, late August, early September, if I'm not mistaken, talking about this this big question of what are institutions, how much should we rely on them, how can we hold them accountable, um, and also how have artists been harmed by institutions in our community? So there's all of that. And then at the same time, people are sort of institutions are having trouble, I think, bringing audiences back after COVID and trying with a lot of different models. Of course, I'm thinking about Long Wharf Theater which has moved fully into itinerancy. So we're seeing like all of these different things, right? I mean, just jump in. I mean, I, I mean, I, 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 this is what I, I think. I think the pandemic was not the cause of this. I think the pandemic just highlighted and illuminating what was already happening across art, art universes, right? So, I mean, art, art producing, art sustaining organizations have started to see the downward spiral of a disappearing audience or a changing audience and how to uh how to uh uh um 
deal with with a, a, a aging white audience as well as amplify BIPOC voices in those spaces um, has been uh, uh, illuminating. And so um, it, it, the, the pandemic just really spotlighted and highlighted the problems that was going on um, across across the board. I mean, um, recruiting board members is problem is 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 challenging. Um, um, uh, amplifying new playwright voices is challenging. Uh, getting people back into the theater is challenging. Um, but yet, and still, art in and of itself will be with us. It it will find a way to happen. And uh, and the Long Wharf itineracy is is really an example of art will survive. Art will thrive because people need art. And art is the foundation for any civilized, uh, in any civilized society uh, to to move forward. So, so we're we're never gonna not have art. That that's just not gonna happen. Plus, people who are called to be artists, it is in them to do it. It's in their DNA. They're gonna write. They're gonna sing. They're gonna dance. They're gonna they're gonna do all manner of things. So, so I'm not worried about uh, uh, art. What I, what I'm worried about is trying to sort of get people to sort of change their mind about how art is delivered and be open to embracing uh, new opportunities to to participate, to engage in, and to witness uh, our art and artistic expression. I mean, I think that like to make it more concrete, like what we're, a lot of what we're talking about is uh, how artists are going to get like paid. That's, <laughs> that's that. Like, the point of I I feel like that that's the point of an art institution, like you can we like look I'm a I'm a musician myself I make I play music all the time, um if I play in public for people I expect to be paid for it, and like the point of an institution is to put money in my pocket, end of story and if it's not doing that I question why it exists as a musician, and like that's I think like those are two questions that I want to separate harshly all the time because it's it's that's really what we're talking about here like the and I think that, that that's been the fun in a way of seeing how this all shakes out that like um you know I think that artists now feel pretty emboldened and it's fair for them to ask like what are you going to do for me and to say what they mean is how much money am I getting from you <laughs> and like that's that's sort of the bottom line here. I and... think money, money, yes, but that isn't the only currency. Like, I think that there has also been this. It's discussion... the only one that pays your rent. Yeah, no, that that is correct. <laughs> you know? But I also think there's been this discussion that I, as um, as a millennial, who sometimes am told that I sound a little like a boomer by um, the the young people that I teach who are in high school. Um, but I think there's also been this shift of like, we're not going to take this behavior that um for a long time people were like yeah well you're in the arts so you're going to be treated kind of in a subpar way and tough noogies and and that's just it and i really like that i've been seeing a lot of folks who are like actually no you can't verbally harass me in the workplace <laughs> or actually no um you can't make that comment about my boobs just because i happen to be a female musician and you happen to have come to my show and you feel entitled to do so. And and so that I think is something that is really good, a really good shift that I have yeah. been seeing. Karen, mm -hmm. I see you nodding and I, I want to have you. And I know that we have talked about 
misogyny uh, many times off mic and could have probably like a whole four part series about it. Uh, yeah, so exactly. jump, jump on in. Yeah. So one of the, well, you know, I also was teaching for a while through the pandemic I was teaching and that was my first experience teaching um, high school students, you know, in an art school at ECA. And, you know, and I, I felt the same thing of like, you know, they, they're, they don't tolerate, you know, they're the strength of a lot of them when people would say, Oh, you know, kid, you know, you always hear that phrase like kids these days. Well, I, I tell you between my experience at ECA and then my experience, I would say um, since COVID um, back out in the art scene with, a, because the other thing I think that that needs to be mentioned as we're talking about COVID is there are a lot of, new faces on the scene that were not there before COVID because they weren't old enough. You know, they just weren't out or they didn't live here. Um, a lot of people, um, a lot of, I don't want to say kids, a lot of, cause I'm, I'm leaning towards kids because of my age and they're my kids ages. But um, a lot of, a lot of people moved here after college. Um, a lot of people decided to come to New Haven during post during, and, you know, 2020 and in the past couple of years, I won't say post COVID because COVID's still around. <laughs> um, so, so uh, I think we need to remember that a lot of people have not that are now in the scene have not lived in the scene that many other people have lived in. So they don't have the attachments to the institutions and the, uh, the the things that a lot of people were used to. And we're saying like, you know, when, when Brian was saying like, you know, are, is everything on fire? You know, is, are things going to come back to what they were? What does that even mean? Um, to add on to that, like for a lot of these people, I don't think that matters. What matters is where can they create, where can they create and who can they create with because that to me is a huge part of what this past year has shown. My yeah. the stuff that I've reported on, a lot of what I've reported on are, are these groups that got together where just one person uh -huh. was like, hey, I want to draw. I want to see if some other people want to draw. Let me put a call out on Instagram. And now they have a group that meets every week. And I've how many I've how many have I reported on that? Like four or five groups. Oh, yeah, I love that. I mean, I mean, the New Haven Sketchers group that got together, they had a show. You know, a creative arts workshop with their sketches just in the past month. They, I, I ended up doing that. So, so people are going again. I know that the the idea of being paid obviously is a huge issue, but I also wanted to come in and say that I I think that there are a lot of people on the scene that are going to be okay with things being different because right. they're not different for them. They never were a part of their lives anyway. So mm -hmm. you know, change is constant. Um, and, you know, receiving new people, new experiences. I mean, isn't that's kind of what it's all about, isn't it? I mean, once you stop doing that, what else is there? And I want to ask about the, I, I mean, I feel like DIY grassroots spaces have always had a moment, right? Um, like they've always been, and it's, it's always so funny to talk to folks who, Karen, I think to your point, like maybe weren't old enough to participate in those spaces, maybe weren't familiar with those spaces, because they didn't live in New Haven at the time. But like, like I've talked to people who don't know that Daggett Street was a thing, right? Um, and if if you don't know what we're talking about, that's a whole other episode, but just look up Daggett Street Square in the New Haven Independent and you will um, find robust archives about what it was and, and why it was a, a vital and really special and sacred place to artists. 
Um, but I think, you know, Brian, you and I have both noticed, and, and Karen, you've done a ton of reporting here, spaces like volume two, where um, when Roger Gulhein decided to close Never Ending Books, um, there was a collective of mostly young artists who came together who said, we want this space to create, to be able to create. And they've created something really, really cool. And so what sort of grassroots efforts are you seeing? As Brian, I think you're absolutely right. Folks, especially younger artists, are moving away from institutions. I mean, I think we've already named several of them. Like there's that, I mean, volume, volume two is a great example because it's doing a pretty neat job of threading the needle between like, it's, you know, there's some, there's some very official things about it, right? It's a, it's an incorporated nonprofit. It does fundraising, um, but it is, it's retaining. I think that there's a sense of, I mean, if you look at the history of the institutions we have now, like there's a sense that they all started looking like volume two and then they sort of like there's always this you know american thing of like let's get bigger and bigger and bigger and let's get more and more and more professional and that's then you like fast forward 30 years and everybody thinks that they're like the man that they want to stick it to right but like the volume two at this point is doing a pretty interesting job of like like keeping those elements in balance right like yeah. they're 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 not looking for a bigger space they're not, they're not even looking to like clean up the space that they have very much, right? Which like, is sort of great. It's a, if, if I love folks it. haven't like, been they, in there. Right, like they appreciate that, like that they, they have, they've done a lot of cleaning, but like, yeah. it's, it's not like, they're not, they're not making it into like a brand new space. They're not. It's a space that feels lived in, which I absolutely. think is. Absolutely. I yeah. mean, they kept a lot of the stuff that's been there for like, Lord knows how long, right? Like, um, like and that that's a really visible version of that. Um, I think that like, I mean, I think that a lot of the when you say spaces, I think a lot of them aren't permanent. Yeah, um, I think that's right. You know, it's it's more like there's been a lot of uh, gatherings, you know, <laughs> that happen in like various places, and then they vanish because it's well for starters because it's cheaper. You know, yeah. it's like you don't have to pay rent on anything, um, mm -hmm. and that's the. Uh, I think that we're seeing a lot of that and I'm seeing a lot of that myself as like a musician as well. Like there's just, there's a lot, there's a lot more house concerts. There's a lot less like, let's just like go to clubs and bars and there's, there's a lot more, let's do things in people's living room. Yeah. yeah. Babs. I also, I want to bring you back in and, and ask you, cause I feel like you're everywhere. Um, <laughs> if you don't follow the fabulous Ivy on social media, you should because it's just it will tell you everything you're missing or maybe don't like if you if you struggle from FOMO don't because <laughs> your FOMO might kill you um, but but truly like I, I feel like you're everywhere and I'm always like how does she do this much stuff in what like have you found a, a way to stretch time uh, no I you know what it's just like anything and there's a lot of stuff that I don't get to that's the part that I want people to understand that I, I, even though it looks like I go to a lot of stuff and, you know, Karen, I see you in spaces, Brian, I see you. Like I run into them all the time in spaces, uh, but there's so much stuff that we don't get to that oh, I know God, that I don't get to. And on yeah. any, and I talk about this on my show all the time. I said, you know, when you see me at something, I've already wrestled with, what am I going to go to? Like, what, what am I going to go to? And sometimes it's rock, paper, scissors, right? Like sometimes <laughs> it's, 
Or do I know somebody in that production that I really need to go support? Or do I know, do I have a hand in something? So that's how I make the decisions to show up to where I show up. And then, um, and mostly just cause stuff is fun, right? Like there's some cool stuff going on. And to your point, Brian, you know, when we were doing jazz where, you know, we were, we were already being in unconventional spaces before people were being in unconventional spaces. Like we're going to play jazz over in the in the rotunda of the New Haven Museum. And they even thought that was crazy until it was done. And then they were like, oh, oh, this is a whole new space we could get people to use. I was like, oh uh, yeah. So so yeah, so 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 the or nature like, of places. Like train more and seeing sounds, right? Right. Right. Like right. you turn that skate park into this like super, super cool thing. And you know, with it lasted, two stages this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it it lasted for a weekend, and it was gone, and it was and awesome. then it was gone, and then you know, and now it'll it's not it like it'll be great. You could do it again, right? And people are like, oh, yeah. that was so cool. Let's do it again, and then they'll add something else to it to make it even more cooler or whatever. And and now people start thinking unconventionally about you know where they where they perform and where um, performances can happen. I mean, I I think that's the nature of art for me, right? Like. Let's let's do something different. Let's let's get out of let's get out of these theaters. Let's get out of these these buildings and get into the streets or interesting places in these streets that people don't think about uh, as performance spaces. And they don't have to be huge venues. That's the no. other part. No. Everybody wants intimate, smaller, personal experiences. You know, with with people, right? Like not these big arena kind of things, but you know, I want to sit in a space with twenty other people, or forty other people, or ten other people, and and experience this performance. Well, and that's also, I mean, I've I've long had this bias. Um, I have a huge bias for small theaters and and black box theaters, especially where there's like no bad seat in the house, because I've realized that if you go to a big theater. Um, like the Yale rap and and I love I I will say I love the Yale rap everyone should go see the salvagers the world premiere of which is is on right now Brian Slattery has a fabulous article on the New Haven Independent that you should absolutely read but first see the play and then read the article or I don't know do whatever you want um but (laughs) one of the things I've realized is like you are seeing a different play depending on where you are in that theater having having seen like multiple performances of a single show from different seats in the house and that can be hard whereas if you're at a collective consciousness theater or at a space um the space ballroom i don't know my brain is cheese right now so but um or in a space like that where you've got a really intimate setup mm-hmm. uh, or a break almost for instance you're really like there is not a bad seat in the house and so i would say i i totally share that bias that came long before covid so I also want to ask, I want to remind folks, if you're just joining us, this is Arts Respond on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven. And I am here with the fabulous Karen Ponzio, Brian Slattery, and Babs Rawls-Ivy. We're talking about the arts, which is like always a, a fun thing to talk about. But I also can't believe it's been a year. Like I don't, oh. I don't know where time went. <laughs> um, And... I want to just talk about like some performances that really stayed with you because every year inevitably, and and I will say this with like immense love for artists and and the artists who I've had the pleasure and the honor of documenting this year. And Babs, you're absolutely right. Like Brian and I often joke about how we miss 
probably 85% of things, even though we are always working, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, Brian knows this. Sometimes I'll email him and say, there are 11 things this weekend. Which two are you covering? I'll cover a different two. So that way, you know, we won't duplicate each other's work and we'll, we'll spread the love. So what are some performances that have really stayed with you this year? Um, I would, I think of one that was, uh, <laughs> so I went to cover, um, I went to cover big fat combo at best video. So talk about a place now, you know, best video, best video has changed a lot of their programming and, and a lot of it has been just, I mean, it's been fantastic what they've been doing. They've really been doing some interesting things. Um, so big fat, but big fat combo has, has played there a lot. We'll, you know, we'll, I'm sure continue to play there a lot. Um, I'm going to the show. I'm going to write about it. And the PA stops working. So, so now they, they can't get any vocals and, you know, this is a band that could have played an entire show of, of instrumentals. Um, and I'm sitting there and people are sitting there and they're playing around and, and uh, you know, I messaged Brian and I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to have an article, but you know, this is what's going on. Yeah. I'm not leaving. Uh, nobody, <laughs> nobody there knew I was writing. Well, maybe a couple people next to me knew I was writing about it, but uh, it turned, it, 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 organically morphed into this amazing story of community because Tom Hearn, amazing artist, um, like who, which one of my friends has is the loudest? And he calls up people to sing from the audience who just happen to be in the audience to sing with the band that don't need a microphone. While he's doing this, Dean Falcone, the amazing Dean Falcone, goes home and gets his PA and comes back and hooks it up. And the show goes on and I'm just like taking pictures, taking video, making notes. And it's like, it is the most incredible thing. And, you know, people there are like, this is incredible. Afterwards, I'm like, I can't, you know, I can't believe I, you know, this almost didn't happen. I can't believe I got it down. They're like, wait a minute, you're writing about this. And it ended up being, I said to Brian, no, I got, I got the story and it's amazing. You know, <laughs> I get it in and Brian's like, oh my God, this story. And it, it really I can't tell you how many people were like, that's one of the best stories you've ever written. I'm like, no, thank you. But also it's one of the best stories to happen. I happen to be there. Like that's when I, I got to see, I really, today is actually the seventh anniversary of Brian asking me to do this job. Yay. So happy anniversary. anniversary. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And thank you, Brian. Um, but, but one, of, <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, but one of, but one of, you know, it, re it really drove home that this is journalism, that arts journalism. I happened to be there and got to make, you know, take notes and document an amazing thing that happened in the arts because it really was. It was such a way that community um, and, and people came together and it, it really was heartwarming and it was fun and funny and cool. Yeah. So that's my, one of my, that one will stick with me. I like, love that. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And I hope that you and Brian are doing a, you usually do a top 10 of shows, like music shows. And I. We haven't done that in a while because of okay. this, neither one of us. Well, I, I love them. So, um, <laughs> but, but I think you're right. And like artists do show up for each other. And I hope this is true beyond New Haven. But, um, but I, I have seen a lot of that. Like, I got you. I got your back something breaks, I got you, um, you know, and that's really powerful. 
Mm. Brian, I'm going to throw it to you. I mean, I think Karen's story is the best one. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's yeah. what you told me. <laughs> no, I'm right. No, no, it's the best one. It's 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 the best one. Uh, still getting around that. Um, there's sort of two, and I think it's that like it's they they stand out in my mind, but also I think that they fit a lot into the kind of thing that we're talking about. Um, one of them was just like a show at Neverending Books that was. It was like, what was interesting about it is that it was like, it's a good example of what we're talking about in the sense that it were it was like a two, no, it was a three bands bill, but it was, it was the sort of thing that would have happened in a more regular club, um, maybe five years ago. Um, the, the, the band was sort of high profile enough that they, that, that could have been the case. And, um, you know, they're, they were really good like they were uh yeah they, they were really good but it's clear that like something has changed in the way that um the tour the touring structure is and most of it is that it's become much more expensive to do it and um so a lot of bands have decided that like certain sort of like mid-level things that used to be worth it aren't really worth it anymore and so they set up a lot more things that are just that feel more like house shows um mostly because they do better on them financially and the communities that are around those musicians tend to support them. Uh, you know, they put them up, they feed them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it all sort of adds up. This particular band was called Maya Elise and the good dream. And they're from uh, somewhere on the West coast, somewhere in California. can't remember, but what made it great was that it was just like a really good band in a really small place. Um, and they didn't really need a sound system and it made it um really beautiful <laughs> like their recorded music is really good but like live sitting really close to them and like having everything be like really intimate was was like really profound and it kind of like reminded me again that it was one of those like you know the musicians are going to be fine the industry is maybe screwed but you know screw them we don't really need them and uh we're all going to be okay. The second one is similar in the sense that I hosted a band. Um, I mm -hmm. had them here for a week and they asked if they could just do a house concert to like try out some new material. And they added like several gigs kind of locally. So I couldn't even like publicize it that much. <laughs> and so, you know, I got, but you know, I got like maybe was it 15 or 20 people to show up just so they had enough of an audience so that they could like, you know, feel like they were performing for people instead of just practicing. And it was just the same idea. Like you sort of realize like, all of this is going to be fine. You know, the the art is going to be fine. Musicians are going to be fine. If you're a middle manager at Sony or Live Nation, maybe you're in trouble, but you know, you can go middle manage something else. Right, I was gonna say, I'm like actually <laughs> fully okay with that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, I think that there's, I think what's cool is that there's like, to the extent that it's like something is washing out for all of this, I think that there is a tendency for people to realize that there's such a thing as too big for an organization. Yeah. And we don't exactly know what that size is. And maybe it depends on a lot of different variables, but you know, there's a sense of like, maybe we can get by with a constellation of smaller places. And mm. maybe that, maybe that's actually going to be both more efficient and more humane, you know? Yeah. And, you know, there there'll be less there'll be less like 
hundreds of thousands of dollars blown on people's salaries who just sit around answering emails all day and maybe more of those will go into the pockets of the artists and and then you know and then also of course like the managers who do a lot of work and do you, you do need something you know and I think we're we're sort of figuring out uh what that is Babs Rose Ivy I want to ask you what are some performances that have stayed with you this year Oh, I, I, I loved everything that the New Haven Symphony Orchestra did around um, Bonds, um, Hagen, and Price, those three Black women composers. That was an outstanding concert. I thought Michelle Kahn was going to blow the roof off of the Lyman Center. Well, you know, they, they, spent, the, they spent two seasons uh, amplifying and showcasing and centering these three um, Black women composers uh, and gave us a real lesson in in the history of of these women composers, uh, and and I and I would give New Haven Symphony Orchestra credit for single handed single handedly getting the rest of this country to want to play the music of these women. And now I, now I I see people all over the country playing this music of uh of Miss Price and all these folks. And so um, for me that was quite quite moving. I think at the beginning of the year. Um, Freedom Dreams at the Creative Arts Workshop. I've never seen that much Black art in that space all at once. I just never seen it. I've never seen that many Black people go see Black art in that space, you know. Um, and uh, and so I was, and and not because I was a part of it, but because the talent that was in it was just amazing. And that's how you you take your own talent from your own town and center them and elevate them. You know, um, Linda Mickens and uh, 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 Nat, uh, um, the the young sister, I think her name is Natalie. Natalie, is it Natalie? Nicole. Oh, it's Jasmine Nicole. She's Jasmine amazing. Nicole. She is I, amazing, I've, yeah. I've got, I've got some of her artwork, but, uh, <laughs> you know, to have her to be centered in that voice, um, families of Ife Gardine um, by the, the photographer who just picked you know, curated the pictures to, to go on the wall, blown up. I mean, yeah. I, that that stayed with me. I liked I liked um, the arts and ideas centering um, um, black Greek life with the homecoming kind of vibe, which 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 folks didn't. Uh, a lot of folks did, had no idea that there were so many black Greeks in Connecticut and in New Haven proper. Um, and so that was you know these all these teachable moments about history and culture that just people just don't know unless we bring it to them. Um, I liked everything about uh, Black Wall Street, which which centered a lot of artists. I thought, I thought, I thought clearly was an art uh, opportunity because there was so many artists, you know, whether it was artisans who made stuff or performers. I mean, I thought that was just fantastic. So, I mean, there was a lot of little, little moments uh, throughout the year where uh, I I love people playing at possible futures. They had the the, the, yeah. the school kids played like kids, you know, played at possible futures, and people came to see them play. Right? I was like, this is really really cool. So so it's a lot of those kinds of uh, and, uh, uh events that was moving I, to me. And that was during like a torrential downpour. You're talking about Henry Lugo's string students, yes, playing at possible yes. futures. And that was like, like it was pouring. The streets were flooding. New Haven does not have good infrastructure for climate change, which is a different episode, probably <laughs> happening next year. But, um, but people came, and it, and um, you know, God bless Book Angel Lauren Anderson, 
who reconfigured the entire space to fit a student string orchestra of like 30 children. Um, and, and they played beautifully. They did. Yeah, shout and out with full on Little. heart. With full on heart. And people mm-hmm. came to see them. And people who didn't would not even be in that neighborhood, right? Yeah. Like who just would be like, oh, no, no, I'm not going there. But it was there because their kids were playing there. So. That's right. Yeah. I'd like to oh. just to put the little tangent on like I uh, what Babs was saying about the symphony orchestra, which yeah. is a great example of a institution that is like radically transforming what it's doing in like several different ways. Like there's a lot of talk in the classical world about what should be being done. And the symphony orchestra is doing, actually doing quite a lot of it. And it's like from the choice of composers um, to where they perform, there's, there's so much more, like they actually show up in schools, in community centers um, and, and, they keep doing the thing that like makes an orchestra an orchestra, right? Which is that they get together in a big concert hall and do big works. And they they should and the idea that they're managing to do all of those things at once um, is really showing a way that you know uh, you can stop wringing your hands and you can instead you know get down to the business of actually programming that kind programming more diverse music and playing yes. in more diverse spaces and it's, just like doing the thing, doable. right? Yeah, just do it and- already. And Brian, you and yeah. I have talked about this. Instead of talking about doing the thing yeah, and really belaboring a point, yeah. just do the thing, just right? The yeah, thing. they're doing and it. They've been so doing that, it for a year, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, that leads me to another question that I wanted to ask. But at first, I wanted to say, since I asked all of y'all, I just want to say, like, don't sleep on school theater. It's some of the best theater and also the cheapest theater. Not, I mean, not just, <laughs> you should spend money on arts right. and culture. Um if you happen to be listening and you're a rich person, spend a lot of money on arts and culture, please. Artists need your dollars and, and spend it all over the city of New Haven and greater New Haven if you feel called to do so. So that that was not me saying, but I, I will say we've seen some wonderful student performances this year. Um, I know we're coming into a weekend where Elm Shakespeare is having just this like fantastically collaborative student youth theater festival, oh, yeah, yeah. which makes me so happy. Um, it's not competitive. Students are invited to see each other's work. And we've seen a lot of growth, partly because Elm Shakespeare was um, lucky to get a grant this year that expanded its theater opportunities. So for years, it's been doing really cool work at Morrow Sheridan School, and I want to shout that out. But this year, it expanded to Metropolitan Business Academy and did a, like a 45-minute abridged Midsummer Night Stream that was one of the best performances I've seen. It was just so good. <laughs> it was it was really really good. They did a Hamlet this earlier this year with two Hamlets that Brian Slattery. I know. I think you and I were in the same audience and again like blew my mind. It was yeah, really great. really good. Um, and I, I mean I often think this like it is young people and teenagers who maybe are best positioned to perform Shakespeare. Uh, some Shakespeare like. Hamlet should be a teenager, right? Right. I mean, he Romeo is. Romeo and Juliet right? should be teenagers, right? Like, they shouldn't be right. in their, um, whatever. I've seen good. I don't want to get in trouble for ageism for something I say over the, there. Well, right? but we can, yeah. we can admit that yeah. it can be a little weird to have, like, a 50-year-old playing a 15-year-old. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, Romeo and Juliet is a play about two children <laughs> who about, are so He's about teenagers, right? They've yeah. forgotten how yeah. to, like, <laughs> use their common sense, Right. Um, and, and then it's also about people who have beef with each other and they can't even remember why they're beefing. 
they've just always had beef with each other. And so, and that is like, you should have teenagers in that play. <laughs> um, so yeah, so don't sleep on student theater. That's been some of the the best work that I have seen this year, um, including, I, I also want to shout out just Hill House High School and Ty Scurry, who's been doing work at James Hill House High School and New Haven Academy. Brian, I know you've also had the pleasure of documenting some of Ty's work. Um, but Hill House is really doing theater on a shoestring, which they should not have to. They should get robust funding from the New Haven Public Schools District to have an actual theater department. Um, but these students put on a little shop of horrors that not only won statewide awards, um, but was like the most scrappy and beautiful production that I've seen. And Little Shop is like, it is a show that can be hard, I think, for uh It has for high technical school. things. Yeah. Right. It has technical things that are that and it, it was amazing. So shout out to all of those. And then Babs, I agree. Um, I was profoundly moved by some of the work that the New Haven Symphony Orchestra did this year. Yeah. So so I, I want to ask all of you, you know, as we are looking at performances across the board in institutions, outside of institutions, in institutions that maybe are pivoting, like, what are some of the things that are working? What are some of the things that, like, seem like maybe they're not working? And I also want to highlight, like, we should be giving folks the permission to fail, right? That is part of the arts. Mm. Mm. Well, I'm, this is what I'm gonna say. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a ring the bell for uh, Arts Council of Greater New Haven because you know during the pandemic we made sure BIPOC artists got, 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 got support. So much so that, or the other organizations saw us doing this and wanted us to keep doing it and giving us money to do it. You know, like like the City of New Haven, right, and cultural affairs folks, like the Community Foundation of Greater New Haven. And, and like um, the Mellon Foundation, you know, because they understood, they, they saw what we saw that, you know, there's folks out here um, that needed to be uh, centered and, and taken care of. And, and, and we, we led the, the case for that and did a great job and, and made it very easy to get funding to buy park artists, like just made it easy so that there was no red tape, no whatever. It was just, this is what we're going to do. We streamlined the structure and 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 became quite efficient at it. So I, I'm very proud uh, of of that commitment to to artists, and that's really what we we've got to sort of get these large organizations to understand that you know supporting artists is not just giving them a venue, making sure that they have what they need so that they can live productive lives. They got to pay their rent. They got to eat. They got to you know they got bills. They got to keep the lights on. They got to buy their supply. They got to do all these things. Um, and somebody has to gatekeep that. Like somebody has to have their eye on the wheel uh, for artists in that way. And I'm so mm -hmm. glad that the Arts Council um, was ahead of its time doing that. Brian mm -hmm. and Karen, like what's some stuff you're seeing where you're like, wow, this is really working? Or like maybe you're like, Meh, maybe it's not working. Go ahead, Brian. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think about something that we haven't talked about already. That's all. Uh. <laughs> I, well, I think there are a lot of places in in the city where just like stuff has popped up. Um, well, I, every, I actually, yeah. yeah, actually, I was just gonna. I was thinking. I don't know if I can. So, so, I, you guys mentioned possible futures. That's what I wanted to. That's what I was had in my mind. So I'll come back to that. So, 
here's you think of like vo uh, never ending books volume two surrounded by books possible futures all of these one event after the other even if it's not if it's not book related surrounded by books you're at best video surrounded by movies um there there were uh, there's been shows and, and events at strange ways surrounded by all kinds of art there all kinds of different things there um you uh i don't know if i can say the name of it which can i say yeah it's which, a it's a proper name you can okay, say yeah which which okay wasn't sure didn't want to do that to you lucy um another place opened up the black box there and uh and has shows art um you can just come in and and, and vibe you know so so these spaces like babs had mentioned unconventional spaces that maybe people wouldn't think this is where i'm going to hear music this is where i'm going to go to a meet you know a meeting for a club this is where you know there's like there's like you know album club you can listen to the album and, and you know um, different zine the zine uh workshops the zine scene all these different things and everybody and and the biggest message through all of them is that everyone is welcome you know it's not just a it's not just a a, a click of people doing something it's not right. just people that are all friends that got went there and did something i mean obviously there's people who are friends doing it or people making friends that's the other thing is that's where the connections and the friends are made you know so that so like the color and, and sound um event that i went to mm -hmm. the other night Cafe Cafe Nine. Nine, yes yeah. And he, and, you know, Andre said, he's like, I met all of these people at a bunch of different events in New Haven. Yeah. I'm like, I want to do this thing. And, and, you know, the idea of somebody saying, I want to do this thing, where can I do it? And then going to the place and that place saying, you know what, do it. Yeah. And and thought, I so is it going to be something that happens once a week, once a month, once a year, who knows, but I've been seeing more of that this year. And those events just to me are so, mm -hmm. I don't know, there's something about them. They're just so, I want to say heartwarming, but they kind of are. That's where my yeah. mama stuff kicks in. So I look and I go, you know, I, you know, Hercules, Hercules, Eddie Murphy. I say it to them all, a lot of them all the time. I'm like, I swear to God, I'm at these things and I'm just like, you know, everybody's proud mom. I'm so yeah. happy. I'm so happy <laughs> for, for these for these again i don't want to say kids i try not to do that but these you people, oh you can say kids it's yeah, okay but that, yeah but i but that are doing these uh, amazing wonderful fun interesting innovative things that's yeah. what art is like what's the if that's not happening what's the point you know what is the point of brian always talks about you know being somebody who's you know teaching children and helping you know uh music lessons and, and helping you know younger musicians you know learn and come along and i mean that should be happening in every aspect of art i think even as a fan you know like say you know babs you're you're such a patron of the arts i mean showing up people like this is where other places to go or i discovered this artist go take a look at them look at their stuff right you know? i i would like to see more city support for um more spaces that are that are focused on the arts because I think that the the one sort of piece of the puzzle that's kind of hard right now is for people who don't who aren't already plugged in to figure out how to yes. how to get involved in it, how to find yeah. it. Um and I think that like there is a place for more permanent places mm -hmm. um, that have a full schedule 
so that people know, oh, if I go here, I'm going to see something, whether it's a visual art thing or a music thing or a theater, like who knows what. I, I would like to true. see more city support for actual spaces. I do uh, want to have it be that it just happens because, um, because you know, uh, individuals decide that they want to make it happen. Yeah, I do want to lift up. I think there are two, well, two exciting things. So one, and this is funny because there was not city support. And then um, Juan Carlos Soto, who's the head of the New Haven Pride Center, um, sort of said like, yo, where is the city with supporting us on a on a physical space that is not in a basement, that does not force uh, LGBTQ plus folks to go literally to a basement with no windows. Um, and the Alicor administration listened, uh, which was great and said you know what we're going to put you in the city budget and we're also going to connect you with more state support so i will say i, I want to shout out one that i think that's very possible brian but two that within the city part of that problem is we have a tiny art arts culture and tourism off the the department of arts culture and tourism is right now three people it's um Oh, and, and, they, and, and they do a lot of damn work. With they do a lot of work. It's Adrian like, Jefferson, it's Kim amazing. Control. Like, and, uh, yep. Um, and just lower. really, really quickly, I'm going to let folks know we're going to run a couple minutes over on uh, the Facebook's live, uh, but we are not going to be on the radio. So if you're broadcasting radio, if you're old school like that, which I love, uh, just follow us on Facebook instead. <laughs> but but Brian, I think you're right. And, um, and do want to lift up just that it's like, it's a small department, and I think there could also be more city support for the Department of Arts, Culture, and Tourism, because when we're also talking yeah, about things like absolutely, and that's that's more what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's not so much well, that it's, right. you know, it just needs to there just needs to be more of it. Yeah, because when we're talking about things, also you know, like like this city, the city administration has talked a big game about things like harm reduction in the city, right? Crime reduction, and we know like the the data doesn't lie. We know that if kids, but also grownups, are in programs that are enriching and life-giving, uh, that are often tied to arts and culture, we know that if you have libraries that are open for longer and seven days a week, like harm in the city goes down. Well, <laughs> also like, I mean, it's, it's my, not rocket science. And my biggest axe to grind about this is that the city currently is like, and a lot of developers are cashing in big time on the fact that New Haven is cool. That's right. And, the That's thing right. that makes New Haven cool is its culture and the story. People are making yeah. millions of dollars at the moment. Right. Well, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I say this everywhere I go that um, the the arts the arts community in this city has to be seen as a real economic driver. I mean, it just yeah. has to take its right yeah. place. That's right. As, as reasons why people want to live, work, and play here, that mm -hmm. it is part of the economic the economic ecosystem that you know uh, people people work in the arts and that's part of what makes this city so cool and so and so hip that people can actually work in the arts in this city um and we need more um support around seeing that as an economic driver and, and we now know thanks to americans for the arts that in connecticut you know last year alone the arts were almost a one billion dollar sector and i'm trying to find the the number, but we know that um, within New Haven, I'm looking, okay, so in last year alone, the arts generated 954.1 million in the state, and in the city of New Haven, that was 143.4 million. So anyone who has beefed with our saying that we're the cultural capital of Connecticut, 
we actually are the cultural like we are the 18.7 mile square mile uh 135,000 person cultural capital of Connecticut I don't someone from Hartford maybe will fight me on that and that's fine but um <laughs> we win and and so Babs yeah I think you're right and I think um Brian you're absolutely right too like all of these new developments have been going up. Someone told me that um, on the new developments on Munson Street, I think for a two bedroom, it's like $4,400 a month, which I don't know who's living there. It's not going to be me. Um, but um, I mean, like, good for you if if you are listening to this and you're one of the people moving in. But, um, but I, so as we wind down, I want to ask all of you, you know, what are you doing in these last three weeks? Four we three weeks of the year that is sort of feeding your soul from an arts and cultural perspective. Um, and also how are you caring for yourself? Because I I will say the arts are life-giving, and this has also been a really hard year. I rest constantly. I you know, the the Nat ministry, um, if you guys have ever read anybody who's ever, you know, read that. Yeah, 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 no, we, know, we know, yeah, we know. Yeah, it. I know I know you guys know, but out there, out there in the in the world, if anybody's listening and watching this and hasn't heard about it, because I, I know that this crew knows it. Um, but but yeah, and 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 just since I had my surgery, like the idea of 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 resting and knowing that that's important. And I'll say to Brian, like, I'm you know, I did this thing, I'm good for this week. You know, I used to be out. I used to be out many nights a week and I know now that, you know, as I get older and different things happening that I can't do that well um, if I'm not resting in between. So I have, I think three more things to cover before the year ends for me at the indie. And in between that, I will be um, curled up in a blanket. I will be um, taking lovely walks and um, doing all kinds of things that, uh, you know, writing my own poetry and things like that. And yeah, feeding, feeding, uh, feeding, uh, feeding my body with, with rest just as much as with anything else. So yeah, I, I, and I highly recommend everybody else to do that as well. You will not be punished for resting in between all the amazing things you do. Brian. <laughs> um. Most of it is about unplugging mm. um, for hours a day. And I'm probably never going back. That's about it. So, bye, everybody. Bye. I love that. I, I mean, I'm about to unplug for three months, y'all. So I'm I'm cool with that. Yeah. Consider never plugging back in. <laughs> that well, might be a problem with my workplace. I don't know. Babs is our board chair, so she can let me know. I, I'm not plugging out or I'm still plugged in. I'm we I'm getting ready to uh we're ready to have a uh uh more the world needs more love letter writing campaign in a couple of weeks at possibly oh. bookstore. And uh the Christmas carol for the for New Hallville is going up in the next couple of days. So so I'm I'm looking forward to the end of the year singing and writing love letters. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> Beautiful. That's that's beautiful. Well, um, I want to thank you all for being with me here on Arts Respond and WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven. This has been beautiful. Um, listeners, if I don't see you for the rest of the year, I'm going to schedule some more shows, but I might pop out a baby. So, you know, we don't know. We're, we're waiting uh, for the lights. We're waiting. We're, we're waiting. Yeah. Um, I also want to shout out Harry Droz, who is the man behind the magic. Without Harry, none of this would be possible. Harry, we appreciate you and we love you. Play us out. 
Good to see you, uh, Karen Brian. Good to see you.